Monarch built in. We're a podcast at Burn Orange Nation. You can find more great Texas Longhorn coverage over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts as it helps get the show out there. Share with your friends wherever you find it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere you can find great podcast content. You can find Gerald and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram, or Longhorn Republic. Uh, shoot us an email at longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. My name is Kyle Carpenter. I'm your host this week. Like I am every week. And this week, Gerald is tending to more important matters. Believe it or not, there are some matters more important than Texas Longhorn sports. Uh, Gerald is welcoming additions to his family. Uh, shouts to uh, Mama Goodridge. Shouts to Gerald. Shouts to the entire Goodridge clan. I speak for myself and hopefully every one of our dear listeners to say we're thinking about you. But that means that you get a lot of Kyle in your ears this week. Uh, don't worry, not just me. We are bringing in bitter white guy, Johnny Bashir. We're going to talk Texas men's basketball. We are now 19 days away from meaningful Texas men's basketball. As, as we are on this podcast, Gerald and I both know what we know, and we know when it's time to bring in the experts. So we did exactly that today bringing in you all know him uh the the sharpest mind in texas basketball uh mr at bitter white guy uh joins us for the second time i believe on the podcast to talk a little texas men's basketball welcome in and thank you for joining yeah i'd like to uh note that for the second year in a row gerald has deigned me not worthy of (laughs) joining the feed uh what one year uh, is happenstance, but two years, I, I get it. He's now my, my nemesis. <laughs> That's fair. And, and, uh, so yeah, uh, thanks for having me. And, uh, Gerald just, uh, just never join again. <laughs> never join. That's, that's it. This is, this is it. The, I mean, the, there is a squatter's rights. Gerald lives in Oklahoma. There is a squatter's rights case you could make here where you just never leave and Gerald can't come back. So just, that's true. That's up yeah. to you. Yeah, it's that that works. Yeah, so, sorry, not sorry, Gerald. This is this is my podcast now. All right, fair enough. Ky- Kyle's turn is coming. <laughs> That's right. I, I have to dig in to make sure at yeah. least one of us from the original uh, yes. podcast hosting. Just wait until I start talking football. This is going to be great. <laughs> I actually, you know, there there are enough um, fans who who think that Gerald and I are idiots that that. Uh, may tune in and think that, that that's an upgrade. So I don't know. That could be that could be good. But we aren't going to talk football today. Maybe if you uh, tweet at us enough, we can get uh, our good friend on to talk football, which he is uh, an expert at, a self self proclaimed uh, non expert. Um, yeah. We're going to talk basketball. We are in a new era. Uh, as I said, 19 days. Texas tips off uh, with Houston Baptist at home. There is technically a scrimmage in what 11 days uh, against Texas Lutheran. Uh, but we're going to focus on the games that matter because there's some good ones and some games that matter. But we're talking you, about. You could call Houston Baptist a scrimmage as well if you want. Oh, come on. That's, you know, we, we learned everything we needed to know last year about the team against UT Rio Grande Valley. Uh, it's the it's the regional Texas small schools that really tell you how the season is going to go. Mm. Yeah, let's. <laughs> we'll get into the non-conference schedule here in a bit. I Absolutely. have I have thoughts. I I want to hear them. So let's let's start at the very, very top. So for folks who 
are coming in as baseball fans, as basketball fans, obviously as uh, the Internet's preeminent uh, women's tennis uh, and, and volleyball podcast that we are, uh, maybe our fans from there. If you haven't been following for the past few months of Texas basketball, things are going to look a little bit different come November. Shaka Smart, no longer the head coach, is now the head coach at Marquette. Uh, Chris Beard, uh, who, again, both members of or uh, members of the podcast now, uh, permanent members, uh, are huge fans of Chris Beard. We'll talk about that. Uh, is the new coach of Texas basketball. Um, players, quite a bit new. We have uh, a couple returners, a couple who graduated and are now playing in the NBA, and a couple who are at other schools. But, I mean, basically, let's start at the top, and let's just talk about the fact that this Texas team – now going on two years is probably one of, if not the most interesting team in the country. Last season, it was interesting about how do they take the deepest team with the most returning talent and figure out a rotation. Um, started at preseason 19, finished at nine. So you could call it a good you know, season upward. This year, they mm. start at five, but bring in basically seven new contributors, six new contributors uh, who weren't here last year. Um What's your read on, on where Texas stands in the basketball landscape after becoming the, the pirates of the, the portal and, and uh, Chris Beard coming in and just, just changing the game up? I like pirates of the portal. I, I may have to steal that. That's, that's pretty good. Um, it's, it, yeah, it, there are going to be a number of areas in which Texas fans are uh, in for an adjustment when it comes to the, the new coaches' preferences and predilections. Uh, one of which is, as noted, uh, they are – very, uh, very heavy on transfers. Uh, that is probably going to be a significant uptick uh, as, as opposed to the last regime um, and, and any regime that has been at Texas at, you know, prior to now. Uh, they, they are, it's some of it is out of necessity, right? Like the, whoever was going to be the coach at Texas this year was going to have a lot of turnover just because of the sheer number of seniors and, and pro guys and all, all that stuff. So, um, Beard had to hit the portal hard because he had f- four guys on, on on the roster, and he did, he wasn't even sure he's going to have right. a couple of those until partway through the off season. So you know they they had to if just if for no other reason than to be able to put together a five on five practice, they <laughs> they had to they had to hit the portal pretty hard. Um, and to Beard and his his staff full of recruiting rainmakers, they they did it. They went and got. Uh, a ton of very good college players. Uh, there are not many of them I would consider pro po- prospects at all. Um, that, you know, may- maybe uh, Disu seems like a good guy. Um, there, there's a couple others that, that may ultimately become pro players. But what they went and got were a lot of older, really good college players. And so that's, that's what this team is going to be, is uh, mostly older really good college players which is enough right like that's that they are going to they should be in contention for big 12 conference rights um they should hopefully be a protected seed in the ncaa tournament like they there's there's a very high ceiling for this team if they can mesh all the parts together yeah, and so messing the parts is an interesting thing, right? If, if you just take points per game, and obviously most of these new players and our old players played a lot of minutes. Um, they returned 9,000 career points, uh, 120 points per game. We know that's not 
sustainable there's unless they go to seven overtimes every every game you know they, someone is going to ride the bench someone is going to play more um let's let's take a look at those guys who who, who came in right so uh, you you tell me if i'm going in the right order i'll start with what seems to be kind of the unanimous one of the top transfers in the country at guard uh six three guard out of Minnesota, from minnesota by way of pittsburgh by way of canada uh marcus carr yeah, he's he is the uh, he's going to be the person who dictates the ceiling of this team more than anyone else. Um, he, he came from Minnesota, where he was a an extremely high usage player, in part because Minnesota wasn't very good. Uh, he's uh, very prolific as a scorer. He is very fast. Like I, I feel like he's kind of Isaiah fast, oh. Isaiah Taylor fast. Nice. If, if or if not, he's close. Um, he is unafraid of, the uh, the big shot. He, he was, he wasn't very efficient, but some of that could very well be because he was the guy at Minnesota and he was arguably the only guy. So th- he kind of had to be, um, the hope is that he becomes a more efficient version of himself. He becomes a relatively lower usage version of himself because he has people to pass the ball to now. And so, um, but yeah, he, he's going to be... If if Texas reaches whatever its apex is, it's going to be because he becomes uh, the best version of himself. I don't know if he's going to ever be a pro guy. Like he he tested the waters, but he wasn't at the NBA draft. He was at the G League draft, and he mm. didn't get called up to the NBA draft. So um, he, he's kind of a shooting guard that they want to see play point guard proficiently before he becomes a legitimate NBA prospect. Um, but that's that's you know that sort of immaterial for Texas that if he's just a really good college player then great that's yeah. going to do them well especially the guard position you're happy to have an interesting aside sure. it, it seems like the two best probable best teams there's there's some some decent uh potential come-ups in the big 12 but probable two best teams in kansas and ut both uh looking at a high volume scoring transfer guard remy martin at kansas uh yep. and then Carr coming in here i think both are expected to probably lean on their passing more than being the pure scorer they were at lesser teams right so that's I, the hope yeah yeah I, I think that will be that will be a huge conversation part that we'll watch the season on on how the top potentially and, and what we all think of of the big 12 standings shake out is which one of those can do that better the interesting thing on Carr for me is he had i think four, four let's say just five, 4.9 assists last year but the year before 6.7 so it seems like he does have uh, more of a facilitation bone when called upon it'll just be can he do that and again a lot more guys to pass it to that you can bank on making the shot than maybe he had in minnesota yeah and i think the the the, the qualifier on projecting anyone in this on this texas team is is a couple of things one is how do they react to being a lower usage player because uh like like you pointed out there were a lot of high usage guys who came in if you look at the roster that is here they averaged 289 minutes a game between them and there are only 200 minutes a game (laughs) available for players and that's not even including tyson the freshman coming in right uh so i you know and this this is part of what beard and his his uh assistant staff uh, that's where they make or don't make their money is is getting these guys to mesh together so with with Carr, it's it's the same thing as you're going to hear with timmy allen with trey mitchell with you know a number of other guys is is how are they going to get them to work in what is going to be a low tempo offense that does not 
have a lot of shots to pass around. And which of these guys becomes the one that um, that 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 flourishes and, and and who does not? And I think if you know, there, there's a couple of guys that are more likely than others to be. Uh, the ones who flourish because they can create their shot at any point in time, and that's that's Carr, uh, that is Allen, um, Disu. Well, excuse me, Mitchell in in a different offense, I think would be more likely to do that. But they, you know, and Andrew Jones, if he's not creating his shot, if he's just you know hanging out in the perimeter waiting to get you know the ball kicked out to him, like there's guys who can score. It's just how how are you going to portion this stuff out? really interesting. We might have to have you on at a halfway check-in or something because I don't, I, I don't know. I want to see it before I kind of try to break it down. So the guy you yep. mentioned that's really interesting to me is Timmy Allen because he is kind of a tweener, positionless a bit. He's a forward listed on the depth chart. He's 6'6", ball dominant, um, not necessarily a, a shooter, but certainly a scorer uh, from Utah. We talked about – car i believe we said was a first team big 10 we now have a first team pack 12 so you're getting guys who have done it um but a guy who averaged over 17 points last year six and a half rebounds four assists uh, i think one of six players in the country to have that stat line um even better as a sophomore 17.3 and 7.7 on the on the glass so a guy who can get inside both uh, on the offense and also on the glass um what are we going to see from timmy allen yeah, that's that to me is one of the interesting questions. I, I, like I, I was surprised when I found out he was a first team All Pac-12 guy. Um, not because I think he's he's bad. I mean, he's like he, he's clearly a guy you want on your team. He, he's he's going to be a starter. He's going to be a good contributor. I, I in the preview pieces on Substack, I I refer to him, and this this feels like damning with faint praise, but I called him a better Dylan Osakowski, where. Oh. He has much better handles than Dylan ever did. Um, he, he can he can definitely handle the ball really well for a guy his size. But he has that sort of same below the basket game. Uh, he's really good at rebounding. Uh, he has a very questionable three point shot. Like this is sort of that's that's kind of why I've gravitated towards that that explanation. Um, and I I was I feel like maybe he got first team because he was the best guy on a mediocre team and he put up a bunch of numbers, not out of selfishness. He just, again, he, he had to because otherwise they would have won five games if he didn't, right? Um, so this, I, I feel like if there's anybody on this team who was high usage, who might might be well served to be a lower usage guy, it's him where he could just sort of focus on the things he does well, which is, uh, rebound like this whole team rebounds really well. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not I'm not concerned about their rebounding, especially defensive rebounding uh, as as a team. Um, he is uh, he he can kind of do little things. He can he can he's another guy who can get shots in suboptimal situations because of his sort of craftiness. And I, I hate using that word, but I can't come up with a better one. So craftiness. Uh, I, I think he's going to be interesting because in his best. Uh, deployment in my sense he's sort of the hub of the wheel where he can sit in the high post and pass guys open or go get his shot near the rim that sort of thing so i mean we'll see if if they can incorporate that into beard's motion but that's that's kind of how i think he would be best served so an, an interesting piece when you've just talked about the two pieces we did is trey mitchell a 6-9 forward from umass who uh, really just lit it up last year, 18.8 uh, 
uh, 7.2 rebounds per game, shot 52% the floor, and even though he's three inches taller, shot a much better percentage, 38% from three. Uh, to Allen's credit, he was a, a 75-ish free throw. Mitchell also 77% free throw. Another first team in his conference, A-10, which is not – the same level as the two conferences, but he was getting almost Marcus Camby, Lamar Odom as A-10 guys who have NBA potential just because they dominate a, a, a decent but not elite or at least mainstream conference. So Trey Mitchell might be a guy that average fans never saw. The other guys they may have yeah. seen on a night, but you probably don't tune into UMass games. What, what, what have you seen of him? What do you, what do you know? What do you think uh, from Trey Mitchell? So Trey Mitchell is one of a couple guys who I, I feel like – in a different system could be a real all-star. Um, and that's not to say he's not a good player. Again, I, a lot of this, I, a lot of this is about fit, right? Like I think he is, um, he's probably one of the, one of the couple pro prospects on this team, him and him and Disu, I think are the, are the best sort of pro prospects. Uh, if, if I had to pick a couple of people, uh, he, he has a good, uh, he's very good at rebounding. He has a a solid outside shot. I, I think if he was put in a system that was sort of pace and space, or even like, I would really like to see him and Carr be part of a two-man game in a ball screen offense. But that's not going to happen because this is going to be motion, and that you're yeah. just not going to see it probably unless Beard zigs when he zagged historically. Um, so, I, I think Mitchell is going to be the center. I, I think I, I kind of felt like. Uh, he kind of reminded me of Diedrich Lawson a little bit hmm. in that, except again, Diedrich Lawson got to play inside outside because he was with Udoka at Kansas. Whereas here Mitchell's going to be the starting center. And I, I hope that tech, uh, Texas uses uh, him like they, like, uh, like maybe TJ Holyfield was at tech where they actually feature his outside shooting some and yeah. not just he's the guy who sets a bunch of screens and goes get rebounds kind of thing. Um, so I, I, I'm, I, I feel like Mitchell, he has a world of potential. I don't know if it's going to be totally tapped the, the way it should be. Um, but I, I, I like his game and I think he's another guy who, you know, th- this team is full of guys who just sort of, they can go get the ball and, and they can go, make a shot happen here and there when there's a couple seconds of the shot clock. So, you know, hopefully he's, he gets to be his best self at Texas. Like, like you've mentioned a couple times, this will be a, a great test on Chris Beard earning each and every one of those dollars. This is a, honestly a grand experiment in college basketball generally bringing in this many guys who did it other places. So another guy who um, was pretty elite at, one or two things um, and I think has a good all around game in him is uh, for Dylan Disu, a six, nine player. Um, I think originally out of the Austin area went to uh, Vanderbilt um, led the sec in rebounding last year with 9.1 rebounds a game, 15 points per game. Also led Vandy in blocks a guy who again shot around 50%, but actually shot 36% from three. So you're seeing some big guys who can step outside, which will be an interesting look. Um, Disu is a really smart player. Uh, I mean, is he, is he going to, is he going to play enough? Because is Texas going to go big, going to go small? We'll talk about that. But just from a, what he can do, what, what do you think about Dylan Disu? Yeah, I think he he's the guy I'm most interested in, in out of the transfers. I, I, I've, I watched him basically dominate Kentucky last year. And while it was a down Kentucky team, it was still a very athletic and very talented Kentucky team. And, and he just, he whenever he wanted to go get a ball, he got it. Whenever he wanted to score, he scored. Like, he, he's got he's got a lot. And... Um, again, this is a guy sort of like Mitchell, which I, 
I feel like maybe in a, another system he might be a little better served. Um, but I think he's going to get plenty of minutes to go try and do his thing, and he might be the best rebounder on the team. Uh, so I I think that um, it, he's a guy who, if if he's uh, – I don't know how long he's going to be at Texas because he might, he might go pro. Who knows? Um, again, like the, the, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of TBD in this because while I am – confident that Texas is going to be a no middle defense for the vast majority of the time. While I am confident that they're going to be a motion team for the vast majority of the time, I need to see if Beard is going to modify his offense to feature guys like that because the motion offense is not, at least the, the flavor of motion that Beard runs is not one that generally features stretch bigs and and their abilities. So I, I, I hope that uh, and I, in, in, again, in the preview pieces, I, I, I put a, a link to Bob McKillop's Davidson offense because he does a five-out motion that's, that's frankly just sort of beautiful to watch. It's, he's, he's one of the, if not the gold standard of motion offense, he's, he's up there. Um, and you can see a way in which guys like Disu and guys like Mitchell could get really featured as a trailing big uh, who, who gets threes from the top of the key who, who, you know, like there's just ways to feature those guys. And hopefully, uh, this, this staff will put together a, a flavor of motion offense that allows those guys to thrive because if they do, then the, the ceiling for this team, which is already pretty high, gets even higher. And, and you may have thought we just talked about three consecutive bigs that we were done. There is still one more forward. It, it, Texas didn't really return a, a ton uh, of height this year. Um, so they brought in a fourth forward from Creighton, Christian Bishop, six foot seven, um, averaged uh, uh, just a paltry by comparison, 11 points per game, 6.4 rebounds, one block per game, 23 minutes, so a little less than, than some of the other guys who are 30-minute players, but did, however, shoot 68%, which led the NCAA last year, um, and also just went in on a tournament run, averaging 13 points and 10.3 rebounds in a sweet 16 run for Creighton. So Bishop's a really interesting guy. Seems to be efficient, seems to like hitting the glass, and also seems to be a guy who's okay maybe not being the main star. So it feels like he could be a plug-and-play guy who who fits with the amount of talent and the way they're trying to structure him right now. What do you think of Christian Bishop? I wonder if we could take Christian Bishop of today back to the day he committed and point out the roster and say, you still come to Texas? Because <laughs> I, I feel like, I mean, he could have stayed at Creighton under, you know, an offensive, like a really good offensive coach at McDermott, uh, played 30 minutes a game and and got buckets like crazy. Whereas now he's got Allen and Mitchell and Disu and like, you know, there's the strengths that Bishop has and he has strengths. He's a good player. They overlap with the guys who are ahead of him. So I kind of wonder if he's going to get more than 10 or 12 minutes a game as it is. And, and he might be fine with that. You know, maybe, maybe he's cool being a, a supplementary piece, a complimentary piece to, to a team with, you know, title aspirations. And if so, great. Um, but I, I do sort of wonder if he's looking around going, because he committed before <laughs> most of these guys. Yeah. And I, I kind of wonder if he's like, what the hell, man? Like, <laughs> you guys said I was going to start, and here comes Mitchell. Or, you know, you know, those things just, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that they promised him that. But, like, you, you had to do something. You had to promise him something to get him out of Creighton. So, I, anyway, he, I, I think he's a good player. I think he'll be valuable in, in games where foul trouble is a big deal and that sort of thing. But... Um, he's, he's sort of another guy who he, he goes and gets rebounds and he scores near the basket and you probably don't want him shooting many threes. 
Yeah, that's uh, it'll be interesting. Maybe maybe there will be sets where there, you have the gunners out there and you have you know one inside guy. Or you might have more big pound them. It might might be hopefully if Beard is is in the in the coaching staff or doing their scouting, have situational lineups against different teams and really have mm-hmm. a bunch of different strengths we can throw out. We'll see. Uh, yep. Again, as a fan, you hope as a, as someone who covers the team, you hope. Um, but uh, so we have just a couple more to talk about in the transfer portal. An interesting one, I think maybe a little bit longer term than the ones we just, the players we just talked about who were expected to come in and play right away. Um, Devin Askew, a six, three guard out of Kentucky, who was, you know, Mr. Everything in high school, really, really highly recruited. Um, didn't necessarily thrive in, like you mentioned, a Kentucky team that was down last year. Six that's, and a half. That's one way of putting it. <laughs> six and a half points. Under three is 2.9 assists, uh, 2.6 rebounds. Um, should we expect much from Askew this year with Carr? And we'll talk about the two returning guards in a moment on Texas roster um, to be the ball handler a ton in meaningful minutes. I, I think Askew's another guy who maybe got transfer. I'm not going to call it recruited over, transfer portaled over. Mm. Um, like he's, he, if Carr was not here, Askew probably would have a lot more asked of him this year um and but cars here and cars gonna get 30 minutes a night so uh ask gonna be you know i mean and he's a sophomore so the question is uh is is he is he cool with playing 10 minutes a night or whatever he gets um i i'm gonna i'm i'm interested to see how ask plays out because uh he had a really bad year at kentucky like legitimately just it wasn't just him. He was not the sole reason Kentucky sucked last year, but he sure did not help. And uh, to go from a sort of five-star pick-your-place guy to a guy who I think it was two of his last three games at Kentucky, he had an offensive rating of zero. Like he he had like sort of a Ben Simmons-like aversion (laughs) to shooting. It was just, it was was sort of incredible to watch. Um, I... I I I don't know what what he is going to provide this year. He I, I think he will be the backup point guard. I think he's going to spot some guys or spell some guys, and and we'll see from there. But I I feel like that dude's not getting many minutes. Uh, all things cold, all things told. It'll be really interesting because he technically is the same age as Jalen Tyson, right? He reclassified as a 17-year-old freshman. Oh, last that's year. right. Yeah. So he yeah, he, he really should be a true freshman this year if yep. if he's willing to count that as a development year and you have a guy like him and Tyson <laughs> basically as your your legs when you have a night when you're just off and you need energy and you just have young legs to say can we can we switch it up can we throw something else at him I think there's something to be said for that but let, let's talk about Jalen Tyson because they're really really interesting in most in most Texas previews in most team previews when you're getting a top 30 player in the country I think he's 31 in ESPN's 2021 rankings who can do all kinds of things that guard for forward kind of hybrid six seven um he's the new addition that I think is the most built towards the long term it'll be curious what beard recruits in this class but it seems like you know there's he he committed to to beard at tech he they have a connection it seems like beard has has got him bought into the vision maybe that is after this initial portal that is part of what the future looks like i can i be honest i i don't i don't know shit about tyson <laughs> that's um, all right that's I, I like this there the, the you know not just people who watch the games but people who write about this stuff then one of the adjustments is uh i had to watch a lot more film of random ass schools in the off season so that i could figure out 
who these eight transfers were yeah. that came in. And I was like, I don't think Tyson's playing much. I'm gonna I'm just That's gonna fair. let that one sit. I, um, I, I kind of agree with you. I think you're right. I yeah. We don't I, have to I, spend. <laughs> I just I you know honestly I I <laughs> I watched him and the thing I gleaned from it was hey look he wore a mask while he played high school basketball yeah, like everybody else can wear a mask now so <laughs> I watched him and his whole team play competitive basketball at a pretty high level with masks on. I'm like okay all right I'm just gonna. I'm going to go create a Facebook account and post that. <laughs> <laughs> no, when so. I go into Walmart, I, I need to be at my full performance best. I can't have it a mask slowing me down. No. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so the last new addition, and this is an interesting one because I think there's only one person spot who he's gunning for. And uh, it, it's not j- just because they're both, you know, uh, kind of six medium white guys. Uh, but Avery Benson coming for Brock Cunningham's lovable uh, insert here, energy defense, not a great offense uh, kind of guy is a, is a beard loyalist. I think he initially committed to beard in, in Arkansas uh, went to tech for multiple years uh, under beard and now comes for a super senior year. Um, just getting the, you know, the heck out of free education across the state of Texas. Good for him. Um, but but just, what, how much do you anticipate Avery Benson playing on this team? More than he should. Oh no. Um, <laughs> like here's, here's the thing. And I, I think he was a walk-on. Um, he, I don't, maybe he might've gotten a scholarship since, but he came here as a walk-on. I think so. Which, yeah. Which, uh, no, I, I, yeah, no, I know, uh, that one I know because I, I heard some of the stories about people not knowing he was even on campus when he was already practicing. So, um, it's like, here's the thing. I, Avery, I don't know if Avery Benson is like, uh, like the, the, the Game of Thrones bastard son that Chris Beard has <laughs> decided he, like he's, he's about to give him his name or, you know, maybe like. Chris Beard just, you know, had a fling with an Arkansas roadie back at 22 years ago or whatever. And this is, this is the, the, the progeny. And he's at the end of this, this super senior year, he's going to give him his name and a GA spot. I, I don't know what's going to happen, but like the Beard loves putting that dude in, in the last two minutes of halves, like high leverage or not, well, especially high leverage. Mm-hmm. That guy is—he's like it's, it's like he was built to take charges or something. I, I don't know, and, and and he's got the long hair, so the charges yeah. are very—they got a flourish to them. It's just <laughs> there's a lot to it. I I don't understand it, but Chris Beard is in his first year. He gets a lot of latitude. He gets to bring in his people, both coaching staff and players, and. Avery Benson's here to be his dirt weed dealer or whatever it is he's going to do. I don't, I don't know. Like, it's just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it, but he's going to be the towel hype man on the end of the bench and then play four minutes a game while Tyson sits there with a mask on, just waiting for his turn. I, I don't know how it's going to work out. I think having elite bench guys is an underrated, you know, Beard has been preaching nothing but the atmosphere and, and, and filling the Irwin center to at least uh, double digits uh, <laughs> of thousands. Not, not. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, All right. But, yeah. but you know, well, it, I mean, it, either's fair. Either's yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, so I think having the elite bench unit definitely, uh, definitely, that's know, fine if say. he stays on the bench. <laughs> like, let him be the elite bench guy on the bench. Great. Do the arrow when somebody hits yeah. a three. Air like, guitar. whatever, man. Yeah. 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 yeah, great. Do it. No, Just don't I... put him in when there's, like, it's a three-point game and you really want to get a charge for some reason. <laughs> All right. So we just talked about 
a lot of players, a lot of players who, if you were doing a regular preview, that's probably your team. However, Texas has four guys sticking back. And a quick recap, obviously, you know, they had four players uh, in the NBA. Unfortunately, Matt Coleman was just uh, just away from the Kings, but three currently playing on NBA rosters, Kai Jones, Jericho Sims, and Greg Brown. The third, um, they had a couple guys, Kameka Hepa and three, four recruits, uh, Marion Ellis, David Joplin, and uh, Itirji all follow Shaka to Marquette. So basically, Beard's first job was to re-recruit the players that were here, and he landed four of them. Um, so let's start there, and let's start with the guy on – Dave Campbell's basketball cover, the feel-good story of Texas basketball over the past decade, a guy who I think every person in college basketball is rooting for, Andrew Jones. Um, It's going to be an interesting fit with the guys we just talked about, and Jones being kind of a tweener guard who likes the ball in his hands to create plays, had a good offensive season, I think was fifth in the Big 12 in scoring at 14.6 last year, Um, a career 36% shooter from deep. So it'll be curious if that's more of his game. Where where do we, where do you think Andrew Jones falls into this new offense? I I hope he's not the creator um, just because his, his ball handling has always been his, his weakest aspect. He's, he's a, he's a solid defender. He's a great shooter. Uh, you know, he, he does he does a lot of things well. Uh, ball handling is the least of them. Um, so I, I would say that if I were designing this offense, he would hang out on the perimeter mostly. Um, I, I think there is a place for a guy like Andrew Jones sitting on the perimeter of while, or, you know, rotating on the perimeter, I should say, gives it since it's a motion offense. Uh, rotating on the perimeter while guys like Marcus Carr and Courtney Ramey try and... Uh, penetrate and kick out because he, he has the, the ability to hit the shot and he has no problem hitting the shot, you know, or taking the shot. And I, I think that's like, if, if I'm trying to come up with an analog of, of where I would place him, I'm thinking of sort of on, on Beard's title game team, he had Davide Moretti as this third option that was just, he was, he was out there to, to gun. He was out there to shoot. And if you want to put Andrew Jones in that situation, he's probably going to flourish. So hopefully that's kind of where he is. Um, I, I don't know how they're going to gonna end up deploying him. You know, that's still TBD. I don't think he's going to be a ball handler much. Maybe, you know, sort of late shot clock situations where he's got no options. But um, that that's where I would put him. And I think that's probably the best use of, of, of his abilities. Yeah, and, and interesting almost like a like a – like a three out there who, who maybe gets inside on, on defense and rebounds. He did a little bit of that last year at a decent rate um, and, and just scores where he can would be interesting. Another guy who, who scored in, I'll call it stops and starts last year when he was on, he was good shot 41% from, from deep, which I had to double check, make sure that stat was accurate. Uh, average 12, uh, a game, Courtney Ramey always knew with Matt Coleman leaving Ramey would probably assume a, Additional load of ball handling. Always been, uh, you know, when locked in a pretty pretty ace defender. Um, where do you see Ramey fitting in? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's Ramey's going to be the uh, I, I would call him the primary backup ball handler to to Carr probably. And, and you know, given that it's a motion offense, there's probably going to be a good chunk of time where both Carr and Ramey are out there, and they're both you know, running through the offense because it's, it's set plays. That's what the motion offense is, is mm-hmm. a bunch of set plays um, that, that are run in, in sequence. So uh, that everybody in theory gets their hands on the ball uh, if, if it's being run correctly. So I think that's going to be part of his deal. I think he's 
he's going to be another guy who has to take a, a deduction in minutes because of j- just the sheer number of people who are new to the team and who's probably going to be starting. Like I, I don't think Ramey is going to start probably. Um, I think he's probably going to be like a six man kind of thing. So uh, in that scenario, it's uh, a question of, um, of, of how he acclimates to that role. Uh, one thing I am personally very interested in is uh, seeing if super, super intense Courtney Ramey gets along with super, super intense Chris Beard. Because uh, yeah. I, I mean, we've all seen that Courtney Ramey is not afraid to bow up to literally anyone. <laughs> Um, his age, younger, older, like I don't, it, it doesn't matter. Bigger, so, smaller, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's got he that dude is is not afraid of anybody. And I, 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 I personally am just going to be fascinated to see how that relationship goes this season. It may go swimmingly, you know. Maybe maybe Ramey just really likes a, a hard coach, a tough coach, you know. Like that maybe he may flourish under that. So we'll see. Um. But if he doesn't flourish, we're going to find out because he, he's he's not it's not going to stay quiet. So that's that's going to be that that's sort of where where I think I'd put Ramey at this point. All right, and a guy who came back from injury didn't play a ton last year. I think he got a dozen or Baker's dozen games um, towards the end. Uh, Jace Febbers, kind of a career fluctuation between thirty-seven to thirty-nine. You can pencil him in for about there from deep. Uh, showed a little bit more to his game last year, a little rebounding. He actually dribbled the ball, which was interesting. Um, he did some It's amazing things. what happens when they <laughs> dribble the ball. I, do, I don't know if that's going to be his role in this offense. He might just be the guy who's there to shoot when he does play. Um, how much are you expecting from Febris, who kind of, to me personally, was a little bit of a surprise that he came back um, this year with, with the transfers and the talent returning? But uh, how, how much are you expecting from Febris? Yeah, I think he's, well, one, I think he was probably coming back regardless. I, I think he was coming back regardless of who the coach was or, or anything. And I, I don't know if it's him having designs on trying to show himself to the NBA or he just wants, you know, a fully healthy year, whatever, right? Like that it, and it's, it was good for Beard and staff to try and retain him, especially because at the point in time when he committed, it was, there was nobody else, you yeah. know, like, again, there were like four dudes. Uh, actually at the time, I think the time Fabris committed, there were three. Yeah. So he was, th- he was a third. So, um, they desperately needed him. Um, I, I think, um, so there, there's there, one of the, one of the issues I have with Beard's motion offenses, and, and this is, this d- directly relates to guys like Ramey or excuse me to Fabris and less so to guys like Andrew Jones is that, um, they historically tech has done when he was with techs, they did a shit job of staying in the corners on threes. Um, they would lift out if they weren't already lifted out, they will lift out of the corner, which kind of screws with spacing everywhere. And a guy like Febres, he is, they, they need to plant him in a corner where he can just fire because if he gets hot, he goes supernova. And, and, and if they don't work out that spacing and they're putting him in suboptimal situations, he's less likely to get really hot. So um, I don't know how much he's going to play. I feel like he's going to be a, you know, stick him out there for a few minutes, see what kind of Jace you're going to get yeah. for the night and, and go from there. Um, if he gets hot, it, it helps a lot. But again, the spacing is sort of the, the issue, um, not necessarily with him, but it, the byproduct of the spacing is a less efficient Jace. And, and I think that's that's going to be something to watch. So um, I I don't know how many minutes he's going to get. It's probably not a lot. 
I, I'm, I'm calling it right now. There's going to be a Jace game. He's a guy who once went eight for 10 in a game from, from deep. When he gets hot, like you said, Supernova is a good way to put it. I feel like there's going to be one of those games where he gets stuck out in the first half and hits two threes, and all of a sudden the coaches look at each other and just kind of say, let it run, and he ends up hitting like yep. five threes in the game. And I, I Probably, am yeah. all the way here for it. I hope that happens. So the last guy. And I and I saved this for last, especially because as the as the 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 curator, the bouncer, the doorman uh, who kept the crowds at uh, at fire marshal capacity for Brock Cunningham Island, the the, the originator of the Bra- fan Brock club. Cunningham Mountain Mountain. That's, I'm sorry, Mountain. Yes, yes that's right. Uh, it's, the, it's open air. Anyone can join now. Yeah, but, masks yeah. as well. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the you you have have long you you beat me to it. You have long been on this train. Uh, Brock is a special, beloved, beautiful boy. My number one beautiful boy. Um, <laughs> I, 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 what are we going to see from Brock this year? I, you know, in, in some ways, I, in some ways, I kind of wish, if if we're coming up with alternate realities, I there's, I, I wish there was a an alternate reality where Texas won at least a couple games in the tournament. Shaka comes back, and with his new team, he is forced to play Brock a ton <laughs> because he's got so many young guys, and you know this Brock gets to play. 25 minutes a night and do his Brock things and aggravate the entire big 12 for the entire season. That would have been sort of fun to see, even if his three point shot is terrible, but that's not what this team is. And he is, I mean, he, he is what Chris Beard always hoped Avery Benson would be. Right. Is his, he's this guy who goes out and gives, and as cliche as it is, he gives 110% every time he's out there. He's flying everywhere, trying to, trying to, trying to go get rebounds from, you know, interesting and unusual angles. He is, uh, out there poking the ball away from guys as they're about to call timeout. Like he does a lot of really (laughs) aggravating things that are very effective. And I love that. And so, I, I don't think he's going to get more than a handful of minutes a game. Like he's, I, I would be surprised if outside of injuries or serious foul troubles, he gets more than 10 minutes or so a game. But those eight to 10 minutes he gets, he's going to be just flying everywhere. And Beard <laughs> is going to eat it up because that is like, that's, that's, that's his Patronus right there, his Beard, or his, 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 his Brock. Like that's, that dude is, is, what beard thinks about when he's having erectile issues like that's that's what it is so he just goes oh yeah he took that charge all right I'm ready. okay yep there we go i love I, I i i don't love the image i love that though uh you know i we'll call it the glorious eight it is we're ready for brock cunningham's uh follow, <laughs> yeah follow us on twitter because we're just gonna we're gonna go through the roof when the glorious the, eight starts. the hated eight is yeah, what it is because everyone's is. gonna hate his eight minutes on the court except for texas fans and, and you know it's about time that texas just you know really cherishes and celebrates a being the heel and b having that guy because it feels like we've gone up against that guy for so many years and i could list literally like a dozen villains who are just there to annoy fan bases against texas and i'm, I'm so yep. i love brock cunningham being that to other teams so yep. unbelievably much yes yeah i would i would loathe him if he was on like Kansas. Yes. but yes. yes he's ours so i was yes. i was a spurs fan and I, i'm you know i'm of the whatever 12 percent of no that's far far too the four percent of nba fans who appreciate bruce bowen so for the same <laughs> reasons i i totally get it um <laughs> all right so, yeah i could see that yep all right <laughs> when he's yours you know you, you put up with it um yeah. So we just talked about a lot of, of players. They, they, they haven't changed any rules. I know there's been a lot of changes, but you still only get to play five at a time. 
So even though we un we probably assume that multiple of these guys will play and there will be a bench, you, you have to kind of get your rotation. It may change throughout the years. If you had to just guess, if you want to do it by tiers of player, if you want to do it by – if you want to throw out a starting five, what do you think this rotation will look like? Who's who's starting out there in the beginning or who's the best five at, at crunch time with your – what they call it, the, the, the death uh, five that the Warriors had or whatever lineup of death? Uh, who, who's your five best on this roster? I, I don't think there's a lineup of death because that would involve three-pointers, and I don't know how many we're going to get out of this team. So <laughs> um, I think it's going to be Carr, Mitchell, A.J., Allen and Disu are probably going to be the guys who get the most minutes. Um, you might see Ramey in there uh, here and there, but I, I really think those are the five who are probably going to start. And I think they're going to soak up well north of 70% of the minutes. Um, as much as this team is deep, I, I think that uh, when you consider who the, the, the top sort of handful of guys are and the fact that most of them are juniors and seniors who yeah. burned their one-time transfer. Uh, they, the, the Texas coaching staff has some leverage on a lot of these guys to be like, you can, you can, you can stick it out for a little bit and we'll see how it goes. Because <laughs> the, it's not like it was with Baker and uh, Gerald Liddell where they can go, I got a one-time thing and yeah. I'm a sophomore. You yeah. know, uh, the, the only guys who are like that are Askew and Tyson, basically. And, you know, maybe they bolt. Who knows? Like, that's we'll, – we'll, we'll see when we see, right? But yeah. um, I, I think Carr, Mitchell, Jones, Allen, and Disu are the guys who are going to be your starting five. They're going to be the five that are counted on. And, and they're the five most responsible for the ceiling and the floor of this team. Well, so let, let's talk about that then because I think it's interesting. As a number five ranking coming in, a team that finished in the top ten last year won a Big 12 tournament, but, you know, kind of set – Texas to be the eyes on winning, right? I think the expectation of the fan base, Texas fans have this great thing where their expectations start at the best thing that the last uh, previous regime achieved. Uh, <laughs> the death of Rick Barnes was he got uh, elite eights and final fours. And then that became the expectation. So Texas yep. fans expectations just in every sport, honestly, but uh, in basketball will be through the roof. What is the ceiling and what is the floor for this team? So I think, um, I think the ceiling, this team is is definitely capable of winning the Big 12. It is capable of making a Final Four run. Um, I don't know. At this point, I'm not going to put them ahead of Gonzaga or Kansas. Um, in fact, I, th I think that Gonzaga game, especially being as early as it yeah. is, could be pretty rough for Texas. Yeah. Although, I mean, Gonzaga is a, is a much younger team this year. But they also have Chet Holmgren and, you know, Nemhard and, you know, it's it's going to be I, – I, Texas is should be the, a fairly significant underdog in that game. Um, but that, that being said, um, I, I, don't, I don't see this team, like, pulling down a, a national title. But I think given the, the – if they can get everything running properly, if they can, you know, sort of – iron out the potential problems or the inefficiencies, then, then they, they have as high a ceiling as just about anybody. I mean, I, you know, I talk, I'm going to talk probably a lot this year about my reservations with the, the this flavor of motion offense and how I don't think it suits the staff, it suits the roster. But at the same time, when you have a guy like Marcus Carr, when you got guys like Andrew Jones and, and Trey Mitchell, it, even if the offense sucks, they could still bail you out yeah. and, and they can go get their shot. I mean, that's part of part of how 
Chris Beard made a title game is that they had a motion offense that wasn't all that great, but they had Jarrett Culver. Yep. You know, and he did, a, and, and him and Mooney and, and Moretti did a lot to, to bail out any any bad possessions. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of process versus outcome uh, discussions this year. And I feel like I've sort of reversed the position where I'm at, where uh, under Shaka, it was like, I get the process and the outcome will come. And everybody's like, the outcome sucks. And, <laughs> and, and now I'm going to be like, the process sucks. And they're going to be like, but he scored. Yeah, and I'm right. like, and I'm just going to be like, it's, we flipped the sides on this. And I, um, everyone's going to be unhappy with me regardless. So, you know, status quo. Status <laughs> yeah, there quo. we are. We are on yeah. the Texas internet after all. So that Gonzaga game you mentioned is the second game of the season. They go to an Abe Lemon party after that, which is um, three quite easy teams. The, the out-of-conference after that, they play Seton Hall in December, which, you know, again, it was right there. They could have scheduled Marquette and would have been ESPN's number one game, uh, mm-hmm. or I guess FS1 in this case. Um, yep. But, you know, we have Seton Hall. Um, Stanford is the neutral Las Vegas site, and then, you know, really nothing outside of that before Big 12 play. So really the Gonzaga is the test. I mean, there are some, some decent teams on there, but uh, Gonzaga is the test, and then they go into Big 12, a good Big 12. Um, I mean, where do you see Baylor obviously coming off winning the title, Kansas looking like, you know, they, they could be a, a, a number one seed type of team uh, this year, um, interesting teams around. Where do you see the rest of the Big 12? Just from a, not to get into it, it's super detail, but from a 10,000-foot view. So before we get into the Big 12, I, uh, the co- non-conference schedule sucks. Yes. It sucks. Yes. I have not seen a, a, a non-conference schedule this bad in a long time. There are two games worth a damn, and it's Gonzaga and Tennessee. And that Tennessee is the only one at home. Like the second most compelling non-conference home game is Rice. Like this is another one of those adjustments to the beard era is he loves scheduling shitty teams. Yeah. <laughs> He's really big on it. There are, I, I, if I look back at Pomeroy correctly, there are six teams where uh, Texas has a 93% chance a uh, win probability or better. Oh, and like at least a couple of them are 99.9%. Yeah. So just watch the Gonzaga game, maybe check some others and then check in, you know, in January when Tennessee comes to town. Seton Hall may be a decent game. It, that that one may be okay. But again, yeah. that's one Beard didn't pick. Beard <laughs> didn't pick the Gonzaga game because that was scheduled under Shaka. Right. He didn't pick the Seton Hall game because that's one of those conference matchups, you know, the conference challenges. Same with Stanford, same with Tennessee. Right. Everything else is patsies. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so non-conference sucks. Uh, congratulations, season ticket holders. Exactly. As, as, as far hard, as as hard as they're pushing season tickets, they, they filled the uh, filled the, yeah. the the ledger. <laughs> I hope your mini pack got the Tennessee game. That's all I'm saying. So <laughs> as far as as far as conference play, I, I think there is a defined top tier of Kansas, Texas, and Baylor in some order. Um, I, I think Kansas should be the favorite there. They are older. They are better. Their one weakness last year, their, their primary weakness was uh, a guard who could score and facilitate. In, in, and they got that in Remy Martin, who's probably going to be an All-American candidate. Um, so I, And when you combine him with everything else they've got around him, that they're going to be stacked. Like Kansas should be 
if not the primary competitor to Gonzaga in the national title hunt, they're they're on the very short list. So um, I think Kansas is the favorite to win the conference. They're not the only team who can. I think Baylor and Texas both can potentially win it if uh, if if they do what they need to do. Uh, Baylor is they lost a lot, but they mm-hmm. also got some really good pieces. Uh, and they've got some guys like Flagler and Mayer who are going to step into some bigger roles. Um, but I think, uh, Akinjo, uh, is going to be a big deal for them. He was, uh, he was really good at Arizona and he's going to, uh, he's, he's going to have the run of the place at Baylor. So I think Baylor should not be discounted. And I hate saying that because it means I said something positive about Baylor. So (laughs) let's just move on. Um, the next four, they are, uh, so like tech and Oklahoma state, I could see either of them potentially getting into the top three of the conference. If, uh, you know, Texas or Baylor falters, for example, um, they they both should be pretty solid teams. I think they should, well, they should be very good teams. Um, Oklahoma state is going to be really interesting in, in that they have, they might have the best offense outside of Kansas, uh, in, in the big 12. Um, they're going to miss Cade Cunningham, yeah. but they got a lot of really good guys coming back. Uh, Avery Anderson should be really good, as an example. The Boone twins are both very good. Um, right. Tech brought in uh, Obmus and uh, somebody else whose name is slipping my mind right now. But the, and and they got Terrence Shannon back, who is one of the most talented players in in the Big Twelve. And I I think. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Adams decides to run a team. I'm sure he's going to do the no middle because that's his thing. Um, he brought in a guy who was the head coach at, I want to say it was Portland State, who ran a really high-tempo offense. So he's probably going to try and push tempo relative to, to Beard. So watching Beard versus Adams, just in terms of how each of them deploys their stuff, will be kind of an interesting test case to see who's, who's, who picked what uh, you know under Tech. And, and as tech fans have, have made it very abundantly clear on, on the Texas Tech internet, uh, Adams was always the coach anyway. It's Beards was just the front guy. He did nothing, you know, and he's, he's, he's you know, the worst Beards never ever. won a game without Adams, no, they've told no, me. That's yeah. very, very clear. The Texas yeah. Tech internet <laughs> yeah. is such a interesting and dark and scary place. But anyway. It is. <laughs> and I, and I, um, I, I wish the Big 12 had put the big boy britches on and put that Texas game at Lubbock on a Saturday night because that would have been amazing. Yeah. That just the hate that would have spewed forth. It would have been like the Ghostbusters two, just the, the rivers of goo just flowing underneath it. I um, am. I'm, I'm not convinced that they won't start camping out all through January for a February 1st Tuesday game. That's going to be a probably, sellout. That might yeah. be the nastiest Tuesday in the history of college basketball. I, I'm strongly considering burning what little PTO I have next year <laughs> to go watch that game. Just to bask in that 120 seconds surrounding Chris Beard's name being announced. Just to hear it. Because you're just going to feel the, the hate the hate and the anger. It's going to be amazing. Um, I, I, I know a McDonald's about an hour outside of town. You can stop on the way in. I hear it's pretty good breakfast. <laughs> okay, good enough. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I might fly. I might not, might not want to keep my car there. Um, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's, and so that's going to be, it, it'll be interesting to see. And I, I have a sense based on what's going on in recruiting that there are tech alums who have gotten seriously behind Adams because he's recruiting at a pretty high level that yeah. doesn't happen by accident. Um, not that I'm throwing stones based on who is currently 
on the Texas staff. But um, so the, the two next teams, West Virginia and Oklahoma, I don't think they're necessarily worse than Tech and Oklahoma State. It's just they have bigger questions for me. And I, I, I think Porter Moser is probably the best defensive mind in the Big 12 right now. Yeah. Um, his defense is really interesting. It's, very, it's a hybrid of a lot of different systems. It's very advanced. Um, and I think he's got guys at Oklahoma who can, who can defend really well. We'll see if they can score enough. Because he's he's another guy who who plays a really slow tempo, you know, generally speaking. So that you know that Texas Oklahoma game might be first one to fifty wins. Um, it and for West Virginia, I think it's going to be mainly a question of who who fills the shoes of Deuce McBride. Um, I'm sure they're going to rebound well. Uh, Huggins is always interesting. His teams are always a bit of an enigma to me. Yeah, coming into the season because he modifies his approach. Uh, based on his talent more than most coaches do. He's really good at that. So I, I think you're going to see a lot of tinkering with them early on. Um, they could, again, like the, any of those four teams could finish third or fourth in the conference, I think. There's just a lot of, there, there's more questions to me with West Virginia and, and Oklahoma than the other two. West Virginia is one of the most interesting teams to me in, in the conference in the country. How Taz Sherman steps up, a Houston kid. Like, I just. And Jalen Bridges. Jalen Bridges. Yeah. yeah, they're, and yeah. There's, they're a really interesting team with a lot of size. And I, I just, yeah, I, I they intrigue me because I grew up as a kid watching Huggins, like in my early formative basketball years. And I don't know why I've just latched on uh, to him as a coach. I've always loved and respected. We, and we've all he, latched on to him. Like, that's. He's, <laughs> he's Huggy, Huggy Bear. Bear. Everybody yeah. loves him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that clouds it, but I, I just think they're really interesting. So, all right, after that, who you got? Uh, it seems so. I, the way I would put it is, I think there's the top three. There's a bit of a gap, and maybe a small gap between the next four. Then there's a gap to TCU. Um, TCU is they they're sort of an uh, an island of misfit toys. Like there there's, there's there's talent there, and Jamie Dixon knows how to play offense. You know, knows how to to to, to develop an offense. And Mike Miles should be really yeah. good. Yeah. Um. So I think they'll score. I'm just not sure one how they'll defend, and two how they'll replace what Kevin Samuel gave them. So I I feel like they're kind of an nit team. Um, yeah. And maybe if everything clicks really well, then they start sort of inching their way into that top seven conversation. Um, but that's that's kind of where I have them. And then below that, it's Iowa State and Kansas State. Mm-hmm. I I feel like this might be the year that Bruce Weber finally <laughs> he finally finally gets fired, God, which Kansas happen. State fans have wanted for like six years now. <laughs> you know, like you got that Elite Eight run, and everybody went, "Great, fuck, he's gonna get a." He's gonna get a contract extension forever. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm convinced that Bruce Weber really just enjoys a hot seat. Like he just he, <laughs> he wants to have that sort of like it, 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 He's he's cold naturally. He's a cold blooded person. It warms him up. He, he feels better. He he's I I keep thinking this is gonna be the year. Like I thought last year was gonna be the year he got fired. He didn't. And I think I mean he lost a D two team and didn't get fired. D two team at home and didn't yes. get fired. Yes, and and he, which doesn't even count as a win for the D two team because it was an exhibition for them. So it only counts as a loss for Kansas State. I love that fact. Um, so so technically Hayes State is still zero and zero against Kansas State. Um, so yeah, but that means he's probably gonna figure out a way to be like a first four team that gets into the Sweet Sixteen because Somehow. the. 16 seed the one seed and the two seed both get bounced in historic fashion and 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, Iowa State, I, yeah. I don't know why they hired Otzelberger. I feel like they hired him to go, well, if you squint, he kind of looks like Hoiberg. Hoiberg. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, he might work out. It, Maybe. It's, it's possible he works out, but I, I don't. I feel bad for Iowa State fans because they're really good basketball fans. They're really passionate and they're, you know, they're fun. They have gallows humor. Like they're, they're just that they got they 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 get it right. Uh, they understand they're not world beaters, but when they have really good teams, they're really super into it, and they're probably going to get their ass whipped a lot this year. Yeah, um, it's going to be a out of those teams. I, I'm so curious because I feel like there is a TCU game where Mike Miles just gets somebody. He's gonna he's gonna yeah. take take a scalp or two. I don't know who scares me enough from the Kansas state or Iowa state teams. That's not to say that they couldn't come in and do something silly. Uh, and, and we, you know, go to Ames and that's like you said, a tough place to play. But I, you know, I just, uh, of the games that scare me this year, I don't know that those, those are it, but no. Yeah. And I think with like Iowa state, they, they lost, uh, Xavier, uh, uh, his, his last Xavier Foster. He he's, he's got dismissed for the team for, uh, sexual assault, allegations or something to that effect so that he was going to be one of their better players so they're 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 even more you know shorthanded than they were so it's entirely possible iowa state is in the cellar again this year yeah so all right so i think we talked ceiling we talked floor we talked the big 12 we talked the new guys the old guys the rotation we've talked about most things we've talked about beard's offense is there anything else you want to say about the other coaches he brought in rodney terry jarens howard uh ulrich uh maligi and, and chris ogden as the gm or whatever i guess his title is the director of basketball operations yeah, or something sure. like that yeah um yeah. but you know they they have a they have a staff of some some dudes on there um you are a noted Chris Beard lover. You've been all over Twitter <laughs> saying, uh, I think, number one fan and all that. Yep. Um, you know, I'm going to so- change my Twitter handle to Chris Beard number one fan. Yes. <laughs> so uh, anything that casual fans should should know beyond – I mean, you've, you've gone to the motion offense. We know about the middle out defense, I think. Um, anything else that we should know from those other coaches, from Beard, from – if not, it's okay. i just the curious if coaching, you know – if it adds 10% to this team or potentially takes 10% away from what their ceiling could be or, or how you, you personally feel about that. Well, so here, here's what I would say. Uh, one is given the guys that he brought on to the staff as assistant coaches um, and director of basketball operations, like recruiting is not going to be an issue. Like right. there's um, that's it. <laughs> if you were, if you were coming up with a list of recruiters based off of NCAA notice of allegations, this is probably the group <laughs> you would come up with. Like th- some of them are literally named. Like it's, it's not all of them, but you know, like th- this is, these guys are not going to get, let a recruit get away for whatever reason, uh, you know, above or below board. That's the, this is, they're just not like, that's, that's awesome. That's who this staff is. I mean, um, that he, he plucked, Kansas's best recruiter and Jarrett's Howard, who is again on tape in FBI recordings. Um, they have, you know, Rodney Terry, who, when he shows up magically, Texas starts getting Canadian players again. Yeah. Um, you know, like that's it, it, uh, Ogden, who his son is really good at in the AAU scene. Chris Ogden cannot recruit, but he can go watch his son at AAU <laughs> events. And oh, if he happens to bump into somebody, like, I mean, come on. I, I, I don't hate it. I respect it. I respect <laughs> the brazenness of it. Yeah. Um, I respect that they're, that 
and and with the way the NCA is outsourcing or sort of offloading compliance stuff at this point, that's right. There's no reason not to. Like, I, I this is this is the game, right? This is the, the, this is the Al Davis Raiders era NIL era of college sports. Just win, baby. Don't worry about how you get there, how the players get on campus, how you keep them on campus. Just win. The easiest job in the planet right now is a compliance person at a college because basically you just go, doesn't matter. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I mean, we, we could fill out some forms if you want, but my, doesn't matter. My out of office has been on for seven months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't just email me. stealing money from the state at this point. Yeah. So it's, uh, I, I know, look, I know they're, the, the compliance people are actually working on NIL stuff and all that. So like they have a whole different you know, Pandora's box to deal with. There's, they, they are working. I know they're working. Um, it's, but yeah, so um, what I'd say is I, I think they are going to get the recruits and transfers they want to get for the most part. Um, maybe more so transfers than recruits, at least based off early returns, because um, with Kansas being back at full Kansas, uh, they're getting the players they want now, and Calipari and Kentucky are getting the guys they want now. So um beard's hit rate on recruits thus far has been mixed but again it's a very small sample size so you know come back to that in a couple of years and see if that's that still holds up or not um i what i am concerned about is that if like if i if i took this this uh, roster and subsequent rosters of the kind of talent they're pulling this sort of top five top ten talent this older talent that is, they're very good college players. I, personally, I would get out and run um, because this is a this is a roster that you can overwhelm most teams with talent on this. And in in my view, you are better served pushing pace and increasing the possessions because the more possessions you get, the more chances you have at. This, the, you know, I mean, you're the house in this situation. You have, you're going to win the probabilities. So the more a person bets, the more the house wins. You know, more more often than not, right? So like, if if you're this, if you're the house, you want people to bet more. So I would say go go play at a faster tempo. Go push because you got enough guys out there that you know go play 15 minutes a game and give you a ton of energy. So you can even do load management with this crew. And, and go play at a faster tempo. But that's not what Beard is going to do. He is going to play not Tony Bennett slow, but he's not much faster. He prefers to get the ball up to half court and call a play and have them execute the play and call a play and execute the play and call, you know, and like, and, and he's very, very specific and very particular. And I, I feel like that's not maximizing this, these rosters that he's trying to build. So if it, it so that, when you play a low possession, slow tempo game, you may win 66 to 58, but you're also keeping the other team closer. Whereas you could have won 82 to 67 or something, right? Like I, I feel like that's a concern for me is the motion offense based with a slower tempo based with sort of Chris Beard's general control freakish kind of tendencies. I mean, I realize it's a relative scale for college basketball coach. <laughs> um, I'm concerned about that costing them a game or two. Okay. Um, at the same time, with their non-conference schedule, they're, they're not going to have a losing season under Chris Beard if he keeps putting in non-conference schedules like this because they got 10 nearly automatic wins on, on the schedule. So even if they go a little below 500 in conference play, they're still going to come out above 500. Um, so the floor has been raised with Chris Beard. 
uh, without question. There's not going to be an 11 and 22 season under Chris Beard, you know, barring something seriously catastrophic. Right. Um, And that's that's valuable. That that is something that uh, will probably help keep casual fans interested in. Um, But I don't know if he's going to reach the ceiling he reached at Tech. He may. It's it's possible. I'm not ruling it out. I just I there there are concerns I have that only time and results will ameliorate. And I I need to see him. I need to see him be the guy he was when he was getting an elite eight and a, and a national title, you know, sort of setup, and not the guy who was sitting on the, on or near the bubble for the past two years and and not really doing much in March and not really ever contending for the NCAA, or for the Big 12 title in that that stretch. So I you know, I hope for all of our sakes that I'm wrong and he ends up being like, you know, peak peak Barnes. That would be great. Yeah. Um but we'll see. We'll see. So I, I like that. I like to end on that note because it gives our listeners fired up. So if uh, happy tech fans, angry Texas fans, or Jeff Goodman want to want to reach you to tweet at you about your takes uh, on Chris Beard or the team or anything else, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at bitterwhiteguy. Uh, also over on Substack, uh, bitterwhiteguy.substack.com. Uh, we have our uh, basketball podcast on the Horns cast. It's called Pretend We're Football. Uh, because that's that's what we want you to do to to, to listen in. Uh, that that will start back up in the next couple of weeks, um, and I I think that's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah, you should you should absolutely be checking out the Substack. If if you listen to this podcast and you're not reading that, uh, what are you doing? You need to get on there. Yeah, um, the first of the preview pieces shows up on Monday, so the twenty nice twenty fifth, twenty sixth. Yeah, we'll we'll make sure we retweet it from our account. But go ahead and follow at uh, Bitter White Guy so you can see those there directly from him Um, or if you don't want to see me being perpetually terminally online you just want to see basketball stuff we have the pretend we're football uh twitter account it's pretend we're fb uh if if you don't agree with my politics which most people don't um that's that's probably a good good place to to follow because it'll it'll show up there fair enough i like that um all right well we appreciate it it's always a pleasure uh i guess we'll have you on every week from here since you took over for gerald um but no we we truly uh, i truly appreciate it um it is always a highlight to have you on um i ultimately just uh will be following you to get shaka smart updates so uh thank you to the internet number one shaka smart fan number, number two chris beard fan yep. right. yeah. <laughs> you just got yourself a new header thanks so much uh man it's always a pleasure we'll have you back on soon All right. Thanks for having me on. All right. I am now going to close out the show flying this plane solo. Thanks, Bitter White Guy. Again, let's uh, flip it out of basketball mode and run through the burnt orange lenses. We'll take a look at the college football landscape briefly. Uh, In Big 12 news, OU topped TCU 52-30. to One, Caleb Williams solidified his starter status with five TDs. Uh, He looks like if Kyler Murray ate one of the Mario mushrooms and grew to be a full-grown boy, which is both uh, terrifying and hilarious. Uh, Kennedy Brooks ran for another 153. Max Duggan gutted through an apparent injury uh, and kept this one close-ish. OU's defense still looks... Okay. Um, Quentin Johnston uh, looked elite. 185 yards and three touchdowns. Looked like a kid who should have been wearing burnt orange. That one will never stop uh, hurting at one point. There was former Texas wide receiver commit Billy Bowman covering 
former Texas wide receiver commit Quentin Johnson, and it was it was just sad. Baylor topped BYU in uh, the battle for which Jesus reigns, um, and it uh, apparently is the Baptist one. Uh, I, I kid. Uh, but in the future Big 12 battle here, uh, unranked Baylor beat ranked BYU. BYU was undefeated, now has lost two in a row. Seems like the wheels might be coming off just a little bit. Baylor, of course, hired BYU's offensive coordinator from last year. Uh, got that offense humming. Dave Aranda obviously has the defense uh, playing pretty well. Um, and then the the two-headed uh, rushing attack of Baylor looks good. Baylor looking like a, like a good team. We will talk, uh, obviously, at length uh, shortly when we preview that game. Texas Tech, interesting win. A 41-14 over Kansas. It was it was fine i don't know that it means that texas tech is any better but five and two that record makes it look like they might be good uh, i don't know i think kansas might just be bad iowa state does win farmageddon 33 to 20 they improved to four and two kansas state falls to three and three it is officially brocktober brock purdy 22 for 25 only three incompletions not a ton of yards 208 but just a methodical efficient Game, no turnovers, more importantly, but Brees Hall, they still can do Brees Hall things. 30 carries, 197 yards, two touchdowns. Like we said, there's good running backs in the Big 12 this year, y'all. Obviously, Bijan, best of the bunch, but there's a whole bunch of good running backs across this conference. A lot to watch for this year. We won't run through the greater college football world. We'll take the bye week to, to hopefully laugh at the misery of others. Texas cannot lose this week so that's good as we head into the bye this weekend quick look at the Longhorns in the NFL though Colts announced that they waived Jacob Eason and activated one Sam Ellinger off the injured reserve really great vow of confidence in Sam who balled out in preseason I think when you're backing up Carson Wentz you're always one play away from becoming the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. So Sam is is uh, in prime position. Uh, really happy for Sam. Deshaun Elliott, Ravens got a got another win. Deshaun Elliott, three tackles, two pass breakups, one sack, one INT, his first career interception, as well as two quarterback pressures. Filled out the stat sheet. Good game for him. Devin DuVernay, one catch, 11 yards, or, uh, excuse me, one carry, 11 yards, two catches, 15 yards. Uh, doesn't sound like a particularly great day, but he did do what he does on special teams. Three punt returns for 34 and two kick returns for 70. Raise your hand if you realize that Devin DuVernay was currently leading the NFL in punt return yards through six weeks. Big ups for, for Devin the Duve. We knew he had hands. We knew he had speed, but he's he's clearly doing it in all phases of the game for the Ravens. Elsewhere, uh, we had special teams extraordinary, and that one two field goals for Justin Tucker was a bit ho-hum by his standards, but Michael Dixon, eight punts, 45 and a half average, 65 long. We are special teams. You, there was a bunch of, uh, a bunch of Brits saw Dolphins Jags, not the best game maybe in the world or the two best teams transporting Florida into England, but five tackles for Brandon Jones, one tackle for loss, 31 yards rushing for Malcolm Brown led the Dolphins in rushing in that one. He got tackled on like a 24 yard run onto the logo at the perfectly center midfield of the NFL just felt apropos in some way. And then the other side, Malcolm Brown may, may, uh, may have been the biggest person that, that many a Brit have ever seen uh, in the middle of that Jacksonville defense had three 
tackle. Hadrian Phillips had five. Chris Boyd to tackle and a fumble recovery. Good to call his name out. Alex Okafor, four tackles, one quarterback hurry. Interesting thing on Arizona with Kingsbury testing in the last minute, positive for COVID. Uh, they were wondering who would be doing the play calling, and apparently Colt McCoy joined the coach's room and helped with a little bit of the script and the in the in the game planning for that for Kyler, and then got to uh, seal it off in full circle, coming out for victory formation and taking some knees there in that game. Jordan Hicks, six tackles, two sacks, two tackle for loss, two quarterback hurries Hicks captain on that team took a pay cut to stay with the team just having a great year apparently he also was recruiting Ertz from Philly from his time there who they just uh, landed who should make that scary offense even scarier so interesting time Cardinals don't have the most Longhorns I don't believe on their their squad but they have some really interesting players they're fun to watch and they're a good team also just wanted to shout out some love for Sam Cosme came through this week even though he was hurt out this week. The Washington offense took a big step back and it made folks kind of realize how good Cosme was. Quick rundown and some stats. The offensive tackle run block win rate currently is number two in the in the NFL uh, through five games. 83% wins on those per ESPN. Again, that's number two all NFL for our offensive tackle. So he's obviously blocking the run, which we knew he do. But the interesting thing, 54.0 true pass set grade from Poe Football Focus is fourth amongst rookies. So he's also blocking well in the pass game as well. So hopefully he gets back soon for the Washington football team's sake. There was also, also some Longhorns in the NBA. NBA officially kicked off yesterday when you're hearing this two days ago i guess 14 longhorns on opening night rosters that's a really good stat after only two schools uh, university of kentucky and duke ahead of kansas north carolina ucla vaunted basketball schools third most of any ncaa team is is no uh, no slouch when we we joke in our basketball preview that texas now very much is a basketball uh, school. Only team in the NBA, though, with multiple Longhorns, if you want a, a vested rooting interest, are the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, Kevin Durant, as well as Coach Royal Ivy. The Kings would have had two with Matt Coleman joining Tristan Thompson, but he was waived, as we mentioned earlier, right before the season started. We'll probably find in the G League uh, a place for him, I'm sure, and maybe have a two-way contract where he gets called up at some point because he did have a really good preseason, and though the Kings have a stacked guard room, he looks like uh, looked like a player to watch there. Durant had a really good first game personally. I think he had a double 30 and four, 32 and 14, something like that, but they did get beat by the defending champs in the opener. But I think the Nets team will be, will be one to watch this year. Elsewhere, just so you know, if you're tuning in, you see a game on the TV and you're trying to decide, am I going to watch because there's a Longhorn or not? We're going to do the quickest of run throughs. Of course, there's the rookies. Kai Jones on the Charlotte Hornets. Greg Brown playing for the Portland Trailblazers. And Jericho Sims playing for the New York Knicks. Also, we'll go through the, the non-rookies. Jared Allen on the Cleveland Cavaliers. DJ Augustin uh, playing for the Rockets. Mo Bamba, of course, with the Magic. Avery Bradley uh, with the Lakers. Jackson Hayes with the Pelicans. Corey Joseph now on the Pistons. P.J. Tucker now on Miami Heat. And Miles Turner on the Indiana Pacers. I know some of those are the same, but a lot of movement and new faces, new teams to consider rooting for. Also, Matt Hill is an assistant coach for the Hawks. So we'll have more on the NBA as the season gets into its flow. Uh, I'm not going to really do a ton of Godzilla Tron because it's only fun to talk about it with Gerald and have 
his thoughts, my thoughts, and uh, our competing shows. And always you can find out he's nerdier than I am. I will say I finally finished Deadwood. I can't wait to talk about it on here with Gerald. I uh, haven't watched the movie. Did f- finish the third season. Great show. Timothy Oliphant is a is a is a dream. He's so good in that one. But I mean, you can't act next to Ian McShane. He's just a legend. Great cast of characters, like thirteen, fourteen deep. They're interesting. Imperfect third season, I'd say. There was it was written to set up what could have been a fourth season. I think that show got canceled before it could have, or, or the writer David Melch wanted it to. But a good show. The movie came out during the pandemic, so I think that reignited some interest. It's it's an early HBO prestige show, but it's uh, it's good. Strong language, of course. Uh, strong everything, of course. But it is a good show. It, you can watch that, watch The Wire, maybe watch Oz and see where the, the and obviously Sopranos, where the prestige TV kind of bones were laid. But I think Deadwood, often overlooked, deserves to be in the pantheon. I'm very curious to watch the movie, which is kind of gives a chance to wrap up the things that, that didn't get to be in the, the supposed fourth season. So don't know what Gerald watched. Wish I did. Hope he gets some, some time to binge something here in these coming weeks he may have some sleepless uh sleepless nights so i hope he has time in there to to check some things out so that's it for the show we will obviously not have a game this week we will come back into your ears as regularly scheduled on tuesday and then thursday we'll do our baylor preview we might have a special guest to talk recruiting on the tuesday show a guest who's been on here many times a guest who's inspired segments a guest who's who's always a fan favorite so a little hint hint of who we might have coming to you next time thank you for joining you can follow me on twitter at kyle carpenter you can also follow the texas pregamer at texas pregamer follow gerald you know his handles you should also follow the show at longhorn pod hit us up with emails at longhorn republic pod at gmail.com once again thank you for listening hook them that's it